0: The month of October is Lupus Awareness Month. How many of us know anything about lupus? A good proportion of us have probably heard the name, but that's about it. To give us some information about lupus and to help us understand more about it, I have with me Juliet Rosendahl. She's the publicity officer for the Scleroderma Lupus Support Society. And Juliet, it's lovely to have you back. Thank you, And, um, and welcome to the program. Let's start with two obvious questions before I ask you what is lupus where do you fit into the
1: organization I'm the publicity officer of course I've had a long-term interest in lupus because I have lupus myself and my mother's sister had lupus as well and so since I've been a young girl I've had a great interest in lupus and and I know when there's I saw an opportunity to be on the committee for the local society I got involved in that
0: so your experience is purely personal from your own um, yes. condition
1: yes i did work for in the lupus field in sydney uh, with another patient we set up the lupus association of new south wales and uh, i was a coordinator there for 16 years and responsible for all telephone counseling a lot of my knowledge comes from what has been said to me by people with lupus over a 16 year period and my own experience and my relatives experiences as well so a very wide-ranging experience that you've got. Yes, but after, mm. you know, when I talk about lupus, we must remember it's only my personal viewpoint. I'm not a doctor. Mm. I'm, I'm not diagnosing people in talking about lupus. If anyone hears what we're talking about and thinks, oh, golly, that could be me, then they should go to their general practitioner and say, I heard a program today. Mm. You know, could I possibly have that? And these are my symptoms. Don't self-diagnose yourself. That's not a wise thing to do. Mm. That can often be quite quite horrific because you end up thinking, oh, I've got this, and you haven't at all. absolutely. Mm. And also lupus is called the the masquerader. It masquerades as many other illnesses. Other illnesses look like it. It looks like other illnesses. Or it's sometimes called the great mimic because it looks like other diseases. So Mm. you need a really clever doctor to diagnose you with this disease.
0: So it sort of goes on to the... The other question I was going to ask you is
1: exactly what is lupus? Lupus is a disorder of the immune system where the the immune system turns on self. Our immune system should be protecting us from viruses, infections. Instead, with our immune system, wrongly attacks us as if we have an infection and that sets up inflammation and that inflammation then follows on to damage. So do you find that something that would be fairly normal reaction
0: in somebody like me who doesn't have lupus, that you can end up with all sorts of complications.
1: Yes, yes, that is true. The main problem we have is our overactive immune system. It's not underactive, but overactive. Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of other illnesses are when the immune system is failing. Ours is disorganised and is wrongly attacking us and each individual person has a different way of reacting with the lupus for instance some people their auto antibodies that's antibodies directed against self are called auto antibodies those auto antibodies in some patients like me it's mainly joints and muscles so that's about 90 percent of patients have joint and muscle problems pain swelling a form of arthritis or arthralgia, and skin rashes. That's a very common picture. But there's many, many other variants other people might present with some sort of um, lung problem or kidney problem. You were saying about joint problems, so it can be mistaken for arthritis? It that's a moot point because some doctors say that what we have in lupus is arthritis and a lot of the American doctors call them arthralgias. In America, I notice the physicians are always calling them arthralgias and they call them migratory arthralgias. And I think that's very accurate because they migrate from place to place. So a person might have a pain in their bad pain in their ankle in the morning Say a school girl, 16, mm. can't go to school, tells dad and mum, can't go to school, can't walk on my ankle, it's so painful. By 3.30 in the afternoon, she's running around, she's fine, and dad and mum think, well, you were just putting on an act. Mm. But in fact, that migratory condition might mean that the next morning or that night she might have a stiff neck, stiff wrists or stiff fingers. So the pains move around the body all the time. And that's why people often think that you're just hallucinating, that you must be imagining this. Mm. But this is often a common pattern before the disease actually shows itself. How is it diagnosed? The Diagnosis is very difficult, takes a long time because not everyone... Uh, shows up with the the, the laboratory signs. Mm. An anti nuclear antibody is a common antibody that you see in people with lupus. So it's called an ANA. But that doesn't mean everyone has it. And to make it more mm. complex, some of the people in our community have a positive ANA just because their immune system's failing because they've got older, or they may have been on a drug that's causing them to have a f- funny ANA. Even a virus might actually push someone towards having a low reading of an ANA. But we can say that most people with lupus have a positive ANA, but not all. So doctor will do the blood test. He'll take your signs. He'll look at your signs. He'll look, examine your joints. He'll take your history. And it's very important that you give doctor a complete history. I find that people edit out their own history we'll have a lady who's got all the signs of lupus and yes she did have four miscarriages earlier but she decides i'm not going to tell doctor that 10 years ago i had four miscarriages after all that's not relevant is it but it is relevant you Mm -hmm. see so you must tell doctor everything and the way to get prepared for this of course is to write a list to write a little story uh, you know, I had in 1950, I had this. In 1960, I had this. And come up through the years with the, the medical history you've got, photocopy it. Uh, your local real estate agent or chemist or someone, if you don't have a photocopier will do it for you. Or when you get to the doctor's, photocopy it, ask secretary. And then hand it to doctor and you keep yours so he can quickly scan down and see some of the things you've had in your past. And mm-hmm. it can go into your file. So does it run in families? It does tend to run in families, but it's not a, uh, a genetic disease. There are some complaints that automatically the children of that person with that disease will have a disease. That's not in our case at all. So it jumps around in families. So I, I know of a grandfather and his granddaughter, but miss the generation in the middle. In my case, my mother was not diagnosed. Her two sisters were diagnosed with lupus, and the other sister, the fourth sister, never had a thing wrong with her. So it's a real potluck... Very much so very, mm. much so, very
0: much so. If you happen to be the first person in the family,
1: and I guess it's got to start somewhere along the line, can mm. that happen? Or but does there's, that could be a one-off too because we don't know the cause of lupus. There's, causes are thought to be the exposure to sunlight, chemicals, something in the environment. That environmental trigger is not yet known. So what if, if you've been exposed to that environmental trigger and you might have an mm. inbuilt susceptibility that's triggered it out? It doesn't mean everyone after you is going to have it triggered out. Mm. And I recall when I was working in Sydney, a lady came in one day and showed me her anti-nuclear antibody reading. She'd been to the doctors and it was about triple mine and she had jogged up from the car. She was jogging on the spot while she asked me, was it possible she had my complaint. And so my blood reading was a lot less than hers, yet I actually was sick. And her high reading didn't mean a thing really. And Mm. it turned out her sister had lupus. So the people who have uh, a sister or brother or mum with lupus might in fact have an abnormal anti-nuclear antibody, but it doesn't mean they've got lupus. lupus. So does it affect men more than women? No, it affects women more than men. Nine to one is the ratio, females to males. And a doctor in America discussed with me once that he thought that it was bound up with our hormones. He, he was always researching that because we see the onset at around 14 years of age in women. Mm-hmm. And we see the disease tapering off around 45 to 50. So that follows the childbearing years. Mm-hmm. And that was he was thinking that that might have been one of the factors involved. But certainly women get lupus more frequently than men. And that may be one of the reasons. If a boy is a haemophiliac, he gets that through
0: his mother. Does lupus pass from both parents or is it only from one parent to a There child?
1: hasn't been a lot of research done in that. The studies show sister to sister, so if you have a sister with lupus or twins, the other sister has a 50% chance that they might have it. Mm. There's, there's some some information that mother to daughter, but this is very vague. This is not, mm. you can't say that's likely to happen.
0: But if the ratio is, is nine to one women mm. to men, mm. they've got a much higher chance of, of getting it anyway, mother well, to sister or mother yeah, to daughter. Mother to daughter, sister, sister,
1: sister. sister to sister is more common. Mm. It's more mm. unusual to see it in men. But don't forget, the men who get it often feel they've got a women's disease. They often feel really badly done by because they think, oh, all the people I saw at the lupus group are all women, so they don't like that. You know, they get quite hurt about that. Juliette Rusendale
0: is my guest today, and we're talking <coughs>
1: about lupus. Juliet, is the condition life-threatening? It can be. <laughs> And in the past, it was before the 70s, when we had the anti-nuclear antibody test, that blood test I spoke about, people had to get really quite ill before anyone suspected lupus. So they were quite a long way into their disease before it was seen that they had lupus. That was called an old LE prep cell test. And that you had to have quite severe lupus to show that up. But now because of the ANA, people are being diagnosed earlier. They're being treated earlier. So that means that the disease is not as severe, hence it's not as life-threatening as it was before.
0: Does every patient present with the same symptoms or does it vary not between, even if they all have pains in their joints, mm-hmm. the way they present is, is quite
1: different? Yes, it is. Yes, it's a very difficult disease. So a common picture would be a young girl, 14, 15, or a young woman in her 20s who's very fatigued, has joint and muscle pains it's an interesting thing about fatigue because if you've got any chronic illness you're likely to suffer fatigue particularly these autoimmune type of diseases fatigue comes along with that so you like it have fatigue you might have funny rashes that come and go you might be getting headaches and joint and muscle pains that's a common feature but then from then on in it's, it can be quite different someone might present with chest pains someone else might be having problem with their urine their kidneys playing up Someone else might be having a clot in their vein. It's, it's completely different for every person. So when you look at it overall, you could have lupus
0: and in fact never ever know you've got it until way into the, into the condition. I
1: think you get driven to the GP. And don't forget, women go to the GP much more frequently than men. Mm. Women won't put up with as much as men. Men are much more stoked and put up with more than women. And I don't think they should. But women, if they've got joint pains and they've got terrible fatigue, they're actually going to go to the GP. And the GPs are more on the ball about lupus than they were in the past. So if you present with a skin rash, particularly a rash on your face that's called a butterfly rash, down your nose and across your cheeks, in the sun-exposed areas of your body, joint and muscle pains, you're very tired, doctor might organise a test for you. He'll certainly have a look at that for you. And how is it treated? Well, treatment varies because you can imagine with the symptoms mm. varying so much, if predominantly you've got joint pains, then doctor's going to tailor more of your treatment towards your joint problems. If you've got a nasty skin rash, which is a photosensitive rash, you know, photosensitivities mm. from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. And we can get really nasty rashes from that. So if that's your main problem, say you've got a little bit of joint and muscle pain and fatigue, but you've got this terrible rash, then a dermatologist might treat you for your rash. If your joint problems are severe, a a rheumatologist will look after you. So different specialties will look after you because of what you're presenting with. Does it stay on the same level all the time?
0: For example, if you've got um, joint pain, is it likely to be less severe one day and and then gradually work up to where you really can't cope with it anymore and then fade away again?
1: It, It is a very variable complaint. It's very unpredictable and it's the hardest part of living with the disease for all of us who have the disease because we can be fine today and, and because we're fine today, we think, oh, wow, I'll go to the races Sunday. Mm. I've been asked to go to the races and that sounds a nice champagne lunch. Saturday morning comes and you can hardly drag yourself around. You can hardly, you're so tired, you might have pains in your knees and you've got to disappoint people. And that happens repeatedly, that you'll plan a week ahead and then you find that you're not as well as you were a week before. Mm. And it's really important that your friends know this and that you let your friends and family know, I'm, yes, I'm coming, but with the proviso that if I can't, I won't. Mm. And otherwise people just think you're being funny and unpredictable. You mentioned about going to the races and champagne. Does alcohol mm. affect it in any way? I think we're no different to the rest of the community. Two mm. drinks a day is a moderate alcohol consumption from women, I think. One or two drinks, probably it's the same. But I will say some of our medications do not. Do not mix with alcohol. And so some particularly, such as mm. methotrexate, you wouldn't want to be drinking alcohol and taking that. You might end up feeling very unwell. I think doctor wouldn't want you to do that. Mm. So it, it does sort of tend to limit your, your social life to, to some extent. It, it does. It mm. does. But these are minor things, really. Mm. You know, if you don't adjust to your circumstances as a human being, you're not going to make it. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about human beings is we've learned to adapt. And individually, we have to learn to adapt to our circumstances. Can you be aware that you're likely to have a flare-up of of the condition? Do you get a, a sort of a trigger that would give you some warning? And that's very difficult too. If you get an unusual symptom, I'd say that that's important. If you've been going along with your joint muscle pains for a long time and your rash, and then you've got this headache that lasts for days, that would be significant. Or you don't normally have a rash, and then you rash a rash suddenly comes out. So you're a diagnosed lupus patient, and then wow, you have suddenly got this rash all over your body, and you're feeling unwell. Temperature change. If you if you've got if you're feverish, you know if you've developed a temperature rise, mm. that's certainly suspect. All those things you should be getting in touch with your doctor. So you need a good relationship with your doctor. The GPs who know you actually will often fit you in or you can ring up and talk to the practice nurse and say, look, I've got this happening to me, I think I should see a doctor. But you certainly shouldn't Mm. ignore it. Mm. And when you travel, you need to be taking some history with you, taking a list of your medications. And if you're going to go overseas, you need to know what are the lupus doctors overseas. And part of the work I did in Sydney was making sure that I knew all the doctors right across the world who were interested in lupus. And, and that was quite helpful for people mm-hmm. travelling on a holiday. Mm-hmm. To the, to, one lady was in San Francisco and had a flare-up. Actually, she knew the name of a doctor there to go to and he did treat her. Isn't that great? That mm-hmm. And I guess with the websites and things now that you can
0: get information about where to find doctors and all of those Not sorts of things. Not as easily.
1: I, yeah. That's actually been my specialty of looking into that. I was always <laughs> very interested in that because travelling does cause quite a lot of problems for us. i mm-hmm. found, for me anyway, the atmosphere in the plane, I don't... Uh, cope really well with that and my legs pain and uh, as soon as the plane starts coming down i get pains in my joints and uh, i think i'm just a bit weird (laughs) (laughs) sounds like you should stay home (laughs) (laughs) oh i've done some traveling oh the sense of adventure was too much for me (laughs) and and i guess that shows that
0: you haven't allowed the condition to overtake your life and restrict you more than
1: it physically has to it's a real battle at times it really is very difficult at times you really have to make a resolve that it's not going to completely devastate your life if you've got severe lupus i don't have severe lupus but i have some severe complications because of my age because i got lupus before the ana before the the medications we've got now I wasn't diagnosed early enough. So therefore, I'm one of those people who sustained a lot of damage. Inflammation leads to damage. Mm. And I have a lot of damaged joints, obvious damage. You can see by my stance and my walk that I mm. have a damage. Mm. So that does cause serious problems for me, that I have to think, look at where I'm sitting. When I go somewhere about the stairs, the parking, I always have to think ahead. Before I sit down in a friend's house, I have to eye the chair off about, can I get out of that chair? Mm. And if there's no other chair, is there a strong person there that might be able to help hoist me out of that chair? Uh, The same as when I go anywhere, the toilets, I try to use a disabled toilet. Some places don't have a disabled toilet. So Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking ahead. Except for my limp, I look quite normal, but I'm always thinking ahead. So my life is modified to that extent. But no more than many other people with arthritis, osteoarthritis, Mm -hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, those people have very similar types of problems to mine. So I'm not unique. We all have to think ahead and plan around it, really. But it is important not to let it take over your life. And one of the things that's happened for me, by throwing myself into learning about my own illness, becoming an informed patient and helping others, it took my mind off me. It got rid of the poor me's and helped me to see other people had needs. Mm. And I think that's helped me greatly in giving service to others. Yes.
0: Tell me, if a young lass gets pregnant and she has lupus, does it affect the baby and her pregnancy in general? or? Is it just the normal things that she
1: would expect during a pregnancy? Lupus pregnancies are usually a bit of a problem. They will flare up your lupus, that's one thing. You can have problems in maintaining that pregnancy. So commonly we might hear of a young woman who isn't diagnosed with lupus as yet but she's having, uh, she gets pregnant, she has a miscarriage at 9 to 11 weeks. She gets pregnant again, she miscarries, and this goes on. Uh, we had a case in Newcastle, a lady drew about lupus, is it possible? Because I've got joint pains, skin rash, and I'm having miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get her seen by a specialist. And yes, she certainly did have lupus. And she was able to be treated because now everyone knew what she had. The specialist gave her treatment through that pregnancy. But that's important to tell doctor that fact, I find miscarriages, one or two in our society, one particularly is considered maybe normal. Mm. But if you're getting four and five and six and seven miscarriages, that's not exactly normal and you should be telling a doctor about it, even if it happened 20 years ago. You're listening
0: to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols and I'm talking today to Juliet Rosendahl and we're talking about lupus. Juliet, I guess the purpose of this program is to make people aware of the condition. Is the public aware
1: of lupus as much as they might be? I think through the work that all of these societies have done, the Scleroderma Lupus Society in the Hunter has done a lot of work promoting information about lupus. There's a resource centre at the John Hunter Hospital, an autoimmune resource centre. They've got lots of free information. A lot of work comes out of there that's helping. But generally, I'd say no, people still don't know a lot about lupus. It's not a,
0: a new condition or no. something that's recently been discovered. It's been around a long time. Oh, hasn't yes. It?
1: Back in the 1800s, Dr. Cassinaev named the disease then because he thought that the rash that we get on our face look like the markings on the wolf, hence we get the word lupus. Systemic lupus means you've got lupus through your system. And when we talk about lupus, what we're usually meaning is systemic lupus, the one that affects the whole system. So when I say I have lupus, I mean I have systemic lupus, or SLE but there are other forms of lupus and one of those is drug-induced lupus people can have a type of lupus that's caused through taking certain drugs that they're allergic to and they can get joint and muscle pains and a skin rash but they don't get any more serious symptoms and if that drug's taken away and doctor realizes what the drug's causing the problem that person will lose all those symptoms so it's sort of a temporary lupus in a way and then there's another one called uh, discoid lupus and that's the one where you have extreme photosensitivity. And it's disc-like, discoid, meaning disc-likes. Mm-hmm. And these lesions are scaly and raised up and red and them in circles. I remember a doctor once telling a patient that she had ringworm, but in fact it was discoid lupus. And you can get those in your hair too, on your ears, your face, your neck, anywhere where you're getting a lot of sun. So men that work in the outdoors might have a nasty rash in circles on the top of their head, their face, their nose can be mistaken mm. for skin cancer. So if you've got any of those sort of rashes, you should be seeing a doctor and let him have a look and see what they are.
0: And I guess if he's not sure, he'd send you off to a dermatologist yes. or whatever.
1: Yes, mm. There's mm. always been a little bit of argument amongst doctors about whether discoid lupus was, was the same disease as systemic lupus. Mm-hmm. Some literature says it's the very bottom of the continuum, of viral, the smaller, the bottom end of, of, of SLE, the systemic lupus. Other doctors say, no, it's, it can occur on its own and you'll never have any symptoms of the systemic lupus. So I think there's a little bit of um, uncertainty about that at the moment. But usually if you've got discoid lupus, you've got a very annoying skin rash, can leave scarring and you often don't have any other symptoms of lupus. It sounds
0: like it, it can jump in and out of your system fairly regularly if
1: you've only got drug-induced, for example. Well, that's where, different. That's a different yeah, type. Yeah. Because if you've got SLE like me, it's no cure. It never goes. It's always there. I can have a remission. Mm-hmm. I can have a remission, and I can have flare-up remissions and flare-up. I know a lady had a remission for 20 years, but she had a flare-up after 20 years. Mm. So, you know, yeah, that's a bit of a shock when that happens. Mm. And I remember a young man in Sydney had a, had a remission, was doing wonderfully, so wonderfully. He threw caution to the wind. He went to Hayman Island or some holiday, Hamilton Island, mm. someplace like that. He lay in the sun all day with this beautiful girl showing off, no doubt. And he got covered in the most terrible lupus rash you've ever seen. And he had a remission for before that about seven years. So the rays of the sun, getting sunburned, photosensitivity, will stir up the whole complaint. Not just the rash. He had to be taken by helicopter to a Sydney hospital. And it wasn't just his skin, but his other organs became inflamed. So it's Mm -hmm. very important that we don't get overly exposed to the sun. And I guess in, along with everything else, we have the
0: warnings from the yes. Cancer Council about sitting in the sun yes. and all of those sorts of things. Yes. So it follows on almost automatically, doesn't it?
1: But it's hard in this country, isn't it? It is. And I it was is. very grossly sunburned as a child. I often wonder mm. if that helped trigger it out. I was genetically predispositioned to have lupus because of my family, but looking back on my sunburn as a child, because in mm. my age group you used to be thrown out in the sun with a bit of vinegar and olive oil slapped on you, you know, in that age group. i fried. My older age group. And, and, uh, and here, you fry. It. You yeah. did fry. It. And I can yeah. remember sheets of skin coming off. And now mm. I look back and think, oh, wow, what a thing for someone who genetically was predispositioned to have lupus. But we didn't know it then. My aunties hadn't got sick then, so how were we to know? Mm. We didn't know. It really does
0: tend to hide away
1: until something dramatic happens. There are people who say that stress brought out their lupus, but mm. I don't think anyone wants to go there because... Stress can do a whole lot of things to people. And you'd have everyone saying they had stress that, I mean, I can imagine the lawsuits that would come from that. So no one's <laughs> going to say stress stress causes leaps. We do know that stress, particularly grieving, will lower the function of the immune system. Mm. Now, we know that. We know the amount of people who are grieving after the death of a spouse in that following years are more likely to get sick. We know that because the immune system is affected when a person has grief. So stress, so if you've, got, if you've already got lupus and you have a lot of stress, it could it could possibly cause a flare. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. that you've got to know about your disease, you've got to be able to predict what things flare up your illness. Uh, you know, Arguments with people and all those sort of stresses are not very good for us. You've just mm-hmm. got to try and have to look after yourself, you know, try to be calm and uh, find the inner Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you've been diagnosed
0: with lupus mm-hmm. and it sounds like there's quite a few of you around are there support groups in and around newcastle yes. and are there support groups in and around the rest of australia and Please. if so where do we find them
1: well in newcastle we've got the resource center itself at the john hunter hospital and that phone number is four nine two one four zero nine five. Uh, people can ring me in the newcastle area which is 49829555 because I can actually lead people onto the network of people with lupus. I can talk to other people with the disease. The resource centre also is a place where you can get counselling and you can get free information. In all states of Australia, there is a lupus group in every capital city. So there's always someone to talk to. The Arthritis Foundation in many states is the way of finding the lupus groups. I think in South Australia and Western Australia, you get in touch with the arthritis foundation of that state. In Queensland, there is a lupus group. In Melbourne, there's a lupus group that's an independent. And in Tasmania, there's a lupus group.
0: Now, if they're not living in the city, but sort of a bit further out into the large towns and and things, that number um, for Newcastle, they can
1: use that as the kicking yes. off post yes they can they can they can ring the newcastle number and we'll tell them the other support groups in the other states you would then need to ring the support group in your state to find out if you're living in Bacaldon and you're in Queensland, mm. you probably need to ring the Brisbane people to tell you who might be up in that area, someone you can talk to, uh, what rheumatologists and immunologists are there. Because immunologists look after our disease, rheumatologists, as I said, dermatologists, depending mm. on how your disease is focused, mm. then you'll be seeing a different sort of mm. health professional. And I'll give you that number once more.
0: If it's out of the state,
1: it's o two four
0: nine two one. 4095 right. if there's nobody there there's an answering machine that's and right and that
1: someone will get back to you and just say you just ring up and say your name and address you want some free information can you get a call back and I, but the resource center knows that we'll be doing this program and they will ring you back and of course the the information as you just said is free is free yeah absolutely
0: Juliet, thank you for coming in and being so informative and I'm quite sure that a lot of people can now think, maybe I should get it checked out if it comes to nothing so well and good, but they could perhaps be sitting on on lupus and
1: not know anything for sure about it. Yes, that's true, but don't forget it is the great mimic and Mm. it looks like many other diseases and other diseases look like it. So you can't self-diagnose. You've got to go to the GP and let him sort it out for you and be patient. It may take a while to sort out what you've got.
0: Juliet, thank you so much for coming thank you, in. Iris. And for being with us today. My guest today has been Juliet Rusendale, and she's the publicity officer for the Sclerodermis Lupus Support Society. I'm Iris Nichols. On behalf of us all, we wish you well.